Well, good morning. We are less than a week away from Christmas. Are you ready? I don't know. That didn't sound too promising. Sounds like some of you guys need to tail it to the mall after this service. I know. I hear you. Well, we hope that things are going well for you as we get into this Christmas season and to see what God has in store for your family and for us as a church as well. God's doing great things. But, you know, as we get through this holiday season and we try to find joy, I think so often we try to get everything picture perfect. Our food, our, our house, as, as guests arrive, whatever it may be. And let's be honest, sometimes things just don't go our way. And when things don't go your way, how do you respond? I have to be honest with you. Shelly, be quiet. Sometimes I get a little cranky when things don't go my way. Just a tad, right? Oh, thanks, Silas. Thanks for clapping for that. Sometimes things don't go my way, and I have a tendency just to get a little cranky. How do you respond when life just does not go your way? When the expectations that you have in your mind of how things should be, when it doesn't match reality, how do you respond? As we've been kind of following the birth story of Jesus, we've seen with Joseph and Mary, things were not going as they planned, as they hoped it would be. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about how life turned upside down as, as they're preparing for their wedding day. And all of a sudden they found out, oh my goodness, Mary's going to have a baby. And then we find out last week, while she was trying to get ready for the baby, they got called to Bethlehem for the census. And here we are, finding, uh, following along in the story with Mary and Joseph, found their way to Bethlehem. And then Luke chapter 6, uh, 2, verse 6, it says this, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. You know, those are some very interesting and powerful words that just open the door to the reality of our expectations when they clash with what really happens. The Bible says, Why, uh, the time had come. I mean, so often I think in our life, in our journeys, we prepare, we get life in order of how we want life to be. Then there's always that moment, the time has come. I don't know about you, but I don't always like those words because I'm not ready for the time has come. And there's some situations, to be honest, I don't want the time to come. But that's the face of reality. And I think the hard thing in our life and in our journey, journey is the moment we face reality. You see, in this verse, it says the time had come. That, my friends, is reality. You know, this is the crossroads of how things go, how things actually are, and how, things we, how we wish things would be. That's reality. You see, my friends, reality is the clash of your expectations and what actually occurs. And that's a hard boat to walk. That's a hard place to be. That's a place, let's be real, a lot of us don't really want to stand at that crossroads. Because we have in our mind how things should be, how we want things to be, and then reality comes in, what actually occurs. And so let's be honest with our expectations. What are your expectations in life? How do you deal when your expectations are not met with how things actually occur? 
I mean, we have to be honest with that. At some level, Mary and Joseph had to be honest with that because the time had come. And for us, so often, as we kind of come to this crossroads of life with our expectations and reality, we face those same words, the time has come. How do you deal with it when you have to walk the walk? How do you deal with it when you're in the face of reality? And when reality hits, how do you respond? How do you respond? For Mary, nothing was really going her way. I mean, from what her, probably her expectations were, nothing was going her way. Nothing was going the way that she probably was planning for it to be. And she made do to carry out her role as a mother. And then the time came, reality set in, and the baby was coming. Verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. She gave birth to her firstborn. Now, for those of you who are parents who have probably multiple children, you remember your firstborn. I mean, not that the second were the second and third were not less important. You guys are very important to me, okay? But there's something about the firstborn. You know, when they come, I mean, this, it's this level of excitement, this level of newness. I've never walked this journey before, and I'm doing everything to take care of the baby. I remember when my oldest son Silas was born, and it was time to come take him home. I remember when the nurse came into my wife's room and said, all right, it's time. Enjoy. I'll see you later. All of a sudden it just hit us. Wait, what? We actually have to take him home? Can we just stay here? I mean, who's going who's gonna to take care of him in the middle of the night? And then we began to dress him for the very first time, and we're putting his arms through, and I'm like, Shelly, be careful. Do not break his arm. I mean, I can just see us going to jail. We just walk out of here and go to jail because we broke his arm because we couldn't fit it through his, his sleeve. And that very first time we walked him through the front door. I mean, those moments with your firstborn is just something special. And I can just see as this verse describes Mary with her firstborn son. Oh, by the way, who happens to be the savior of the world. Don't break his arm, Mary. <laughs> but there she was with her firstborn. And we see Mary come out. As a mother, in full force, she loved him. The Bible says she wrapped him in cloths, meaning she cared for him. She swaddled him. She kept him warm. But the reality of the environment was less than ideal. It was a humbling environment. And the Bible says there was no room at the end. Now, I like the stories we often hear at Christmas time. You know, the idea that Mary and Joseph walked into Bethlehem or banging on doors because they had no place to stay. But did you know in reality, that's not what probably really happened. You see, the Bible says they were there for some, they were already there when the time had come. They were already in Bethlehem for a couple of days. And the Bible says there's no room at the inn when the baby was about to be born. So in other words, what it means is there was no suitable place where they were staying for the baby to come. You see, in that day, they, they didn't have comfort suites or the embassy suites or, you know, something with a free buffet breakfast. They didn't have that. You see, in Bethlehem, there would have been one inn, one Motel 6, okay? 
And it was crude. It was dirty. It was disgusting. It was a place where all the caravans gathered together, you know, and just slept for the night. It was nothing special. And that's where Mary and Joseph were sleeping when the time had come. And so when the Bible says there is no room at the end for the baby to be born, meaning, where in the world am I about to give birth? Where am I going to bring the Savior of the world into the world? I mean, I can't do this in here with all these caravan people. I mean, there's no suitable place. And they found themselves in the rustic barn. And there Jesus was born. And you know what this really highlights? This highlights the heart of God. Something we talked about last week. You know, the reality is God elevates the humble and he rejects the proud. And here in this moment, we see the heart of God being born into the world in humble circumstances. As he was born in that stable, and as Mary placed him in that manger, which, oh, by the way, the animals were just eating out of just a few minutes ago. And there was the Savior of the world. It highlighted his humility it highlighted God's heart in that humble situations. See, Mary and Joseph, they were at the crossroads. While they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born, and their expectations, I bet, clashed with reality. But there it was. So at the crossroads of your expectations, when they clash with reality, how do you respond? How do you deal with that moment? Do you grumble? Are you a complainer? Do you argue? Or like Mary and Joseph, do you, despite the circumstances you may be in, find every way possible just to simply walk toward Jesus? What do you choose to do? You see, remember, we talked about last week, our primary goal in life, above anything else you choose to do in your journey in life, your primary focus should be walking with Jesus daily. I mean, if you make that your primary ambition in life, the King of kings and Lord of lords will take care of all the rest. Your goal in life, every day when you wake up, every day that he gives you another breath of life, you should make the choice, today I want to walk with him. That's what Mary and Joseph chose to do. Yet sometimes, when we're at the crossroads of our expectations and reality, if you're like me, you get a little bit cranky sometimes. Sometimes you just grumble. Sometimes you get a little frustrated because it's not how you wanted it to be. But yet we have an opportunity in that moment to do something. And that is we have an opportunity to shine. You see, at every crossroads, there is an opportunity to shine. You have a choice at every crossroads you are at. When your expectations meet reality, you are at the centerpiece of a choice. Will I shine or will I complain? Mary and Joseph... They, they chose to shine. They chose to be a light on that dark night. See, your ability or inability to shine all has to do with how you respond to reality. That's it. 
How you respond to reality gives you the ability to shine or showers you in darkness. When your expectations clash with what actually occurs, what do you do? The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2 put it this way. He said, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you, will be, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Do you catch that? To have the opportunity to shine, we need to be intentional at the crossroads. Because so often, when expectations clash with reality, we tend to drift a little bit. And we allow complaining, arguing, and grumbling to get the best of us. But we cannot allow that to happen. You see, in order for us to shine, I think Paul and the Bible highlight some very key things that we can do to be intentional to walk towards the ability to shine at the crossroads of our expectations and reality. The step, first step, step one to shine is to stop complaining and arguing. That's the first step, and it's a lot easier said than done. I get that. But here's the truth. Your complaining and arguing is really branches of a root that's going on in your heart. There's an internal struggle that's going on that is revealed through our complaining, our arguing, and our crankiness. This is generally our heart's battle with expectations and reality. And there we are at the center of it. Because ultimately, can I just be honest? I'm speaking to myself too. If you're a person who has a habit of complaining and arguing, there's a heart condition that you need to be honest with. There's something going on in here that you need to be real with and start to figure out what is going on. Because here's the warning label on this. You ready for this? If your regular habit is to complain and argue, the problem is generally not the person or people or things you're complaining or arguing about. The problem is your heart. And that's a hard truth to sometimes to accept. The problem is generally not the other person, the other people, or the things you're frustrated with. The problem tends to be our heart. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, this isn't in your notes, but he said in Luke 6.45 that our mouth speaks what our heart is full of. In other words, you cannot hide your heart. For people to go around and say, you can't, you can't tell me what's in my heart. You don't know. Well, actually, Jesus said we can know. We can know why? Because of how we live, how we speak, the attitudes we have. When we're at the crossroads of expectations and reality, the person that you are reveals your heart. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to take him for, at his work as well, he is the creator. He kind of knows us. He knows your heart. What comes out of you is a reflection of what's in you. And you see, my friends, we need to be honest with our heart. And Paul writes about the complaining and arguing to just stop it. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Stop arguing. But, I mean, those are easy words to say and to read through in that scripture verse. And, and it sounds great, but let's be honest. I don't think any of us are going to sit here and say, okay, I'm done. 
I'm stopping it. I'm not going to argue anymore. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to be good to other people when things don't go my way. I don't think it just works like that. It doesn't work like that. And I think we're fooling ourselves if we think it's just going to work like that. There needs to be intentionality in our efforts. Because if all you do is say, okay, Bill, I'm done. I'm not going to do it anymore. But you go back and just go through your life continuing, you're just going to drift back into the same old habits. You see, to stop it, to stop it, there needs to be intentionality. And it starts with the need to investigate What's truly going on in your heart? That's step two to shine is to investigate your heart. In order to know what's going on, what's coming out of you, you better know what's going on inside of you. Jesus talks a lot about this. You see, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation continually addresses the reality that God judges our heart. Why? Because that is where it all begins. That's what drives our behaviors, our actions, and our attitudes. So what is the root cause of your complaining? What is the root cause of our arguing, of our crankiness? And if it is, why is this a habit in my life? Why is this a habit in who I am? I think those are some real personal questions that nobody can answer that for you, but you need to answer for yourself. Why, if this is a regular habit of mine, does this happen? You know, the, the truth is we're all creatures of habit. Every one of us has habits in our life. And we're created with these, or we, we're created with the ability to have these habits in our life. And we can either be intentional about the habits we have, or we just kind of drift into unintended habits. It just happens. And if you're a person that is not intentional about understanding the habits that you have in your life, then more likely than not, you've drifted into bad habits that you deal with. So in order to understand your habits, you need to understand your heart. It all continually goes back there. You know, in the Old Testament, there's a man by the name of David who was named as a man after God's own heart. But if you read his story, I think many of us would come up with the question, why? How in the world is this man, an adulterer, a murderer, a liar, labeled as a man after God's own heart? You know why? Because every time he messed up and he did it a lot, he got back up and ran towards the heart of God. He made the next right choice. That's repentance. That's what, God, what the Bible calls us to do. We're going to mess up, but we run back to God. But we're not just running back to God and say, oh God, please make it right for me. You know what David did? He just completely went back to God completely open. Look what he writes in Psalm 139. He says, search me and know my heart, God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, David says, God, I, I, I messed up. I, I do a lot of knucklehead things. And here I am, I'm just going to lay spiritually bare before the God, the creator of everything that is. And God, you just search me. And if you find any fault within my heart, will you just make it known to me? So that I can run back towards your heart. This is a full investigation. And I think for us, in order to move forward, we need to go into the presence of Almighty God. Just like David, spiritually bear before him, open up and say, God, you search me. 
you search me. And, and just tell me, if there's anything you see at fault in my heart, show me so that I can make the next right choice. So I can do the next right thing. You know, test me, God. It's all going to Jesus and saying, you lead me. But you know what the problem is? If we're all honest with ourselves, the core struggle that we all have, in order to be led, we need to be willing to follow. And the problems we all tend to have in our life is we don't want to be led. We want to do our own thing. We want to pave our own path. We want our life. We don't want God to get in the way. And so often what tends to happen is we build our own little kingdoms that are just prepared to crumble and fall when expectations meet reality. You know, what's the problem with that? I mean, let's just pause here for a moment and discuss this because I think this is vitally important. What's the problem with leading our own life? What's the problem if we just kind of do our own thing, go our own way? I mean, the common cry in the world is, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect anybody else. Or does it? You see, here's the truth that you need to know. A lie that has been forced onto us by our society and our world that's a lie from the devil himself. And that is this. The lie is you think, we think that nothing we do has effects on other people. Or we can just live how we want and it doesn't change anything for anybody else. Or it doesn't affect anything else. But here's the truth. Everything you do Everything you do, every attitude you have, every word you say, every choice you make affects somebody else. It does. Why? Because God created us as relational beings. And so we are uniquely intertwined with everybody around us, like it or not. And he created us, as we talked about last week, with a need for him. He created us as relational beings. You know, my family and I, we, we are superhero fans and Marvel fans. And, you know, we like all those comic-y type, type of stuff. And last year, when things were kind of slowed down and not much going on, we started watching through The Flash on Netflix. And it was a great show. And it got kind of weird and boring towards the end, so we stopped it. But it was pretty good at the beginning. But here's something in the Flash. You know, Flash, because of his fast speed, he's a, he's a DC character. He could run back in time. But he learned a lesson. Every time he time traveled, he had the ability to completely affect and change how things would unfold. You know, there's a level of reality to that. No, we can't time travel. But the level of reality is this. You. You, every choice you make, every word you speak, every thing you commit yourself to, it's a domino effect. And you may not even realize it now, but years down the road, you may realize, good or bad, that choice I made, the way I responded, the words I said, look how it affected this person. And then cause him to do this and her to do that. And before you know it, you've just set on this domino effect that affects hundreds of people. 
everything you do, everything you say, every attitude you have is the beginning of a domino effect in other people's lives. Like it or not. And it's your choice at those crossroads to shine or allow darkness to creep in. And what will you choose to do? And what will you choose to do? Because when your heart is corrupted, not only do you lose out on joy in your life, but you become a thief. You become a thief who steals the joy from other people as well. That's what happens. And then rather than shining, we become darkness with people that we associate with, with people we come into contact with. But the Bible says you have ability to shine. But it has to start by pursuing him. It has to start there. You see, step three to shine is to walk with God daily. You've got to walk with him daily. If you're not hanging out with the Messiah that was born in those humble conditions every day of your life, you are missing out and you're probably wandering aimlessly. Like when Paul wrote about in Philippians 2, we are people who are overwhelmed with habits and anxious thoughts. Why? Because we allow darkness to reign in our hearts rather than light. But when we let the light come in, when we're at the crossroads of expectations that meet reality, when we run towards him and walk with him, there we find joy. There we find joy. See, Paul puts it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. He says, so stop complaining and grumbling. And then he says, hold on to the word of life. See, the Bible teaches that Jesus is the word that came into this world as living and active and breathing that breathes life into us. You see, every time you open up the Bible, you are encountering the living and active, breathing, real God that created you. And he is the one who will bring joy into your heart and take away any anxious thoughts that you may have. He is the one that gives you the ability to shine when you're at the crossroads of expectations and reality, when you just don't know how things will turn out. He is your God. And you know what? He wants to be your joy. In John chapter 15, Jesus tells about, tells a story. And he tells a story of us being branches that are connected to him as the vine. You see, and in that moment, Jesus reveals the importance that here's the easy path. All you have to do is connect to me. Connect to me. And your branches will grow and flourish. And Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Yet so often what tends to happen is we have a disconnect in our relationship with God. You know, several years ago, when we got cable hooked up in our house, and I was all excited to have all these HD channels and all this fancy stuff on our, on our flat screen TV, and I thought, this is the bomb diggity. But then all of a sudden, guess what began to happen? Our, TV, our cable was not working so good. 
and it started fluttering or, or the HD was freezing. It just wasn't coming through or some channels just weren't coming on at all. And I started getting really frustrated. It's like, I just want to watch this show or this sports game and the channel doesn't even work anymore and I'm paying all this money for cable. Why am I doing that? So I called the cable company and I said, will you please come out here and fix my cable because I need to watch sports. I'm like losing it. I'm starting to shake. And so the cable guy came to our house, and he started looking through to figure out what the problem was. And he said, I figured it out. I said, well, what is it? He said, let me show you. So he went to our cable box downstairs. He said, let me show you. You see, you have this wire here and this wire here, and they're both coming through here. And we just need to fix this wire here because it's not getting enough decimals to the cable box. And there's too many interferences and disturbances to give it enough decimals to put it on. I said, well, fix it. So we fixed the wires, and boom, I had sports again. And I think so often in our life, in our journey, we're like, Jesus, I'm just not getting it. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm trying to be there for you. I'm trying to be there with you, and it's just not coming in. It's like I'm not making good decisions. I'm not feeling you. I don't feel your presence. It just doesn't seem like you're there. And Jesus like, like the cable guy. He's like, listen, let me show you what the problem is. You're connected to too many other things. You're connected to too many other things. And you only got so many decimals. If you just kind of reconnect to me as the vine, I will flow out in your branches. You will flourish. But you don't have enough decimals from me. You're allowing too many other things to get in the way. Just connect to me. And when you connect to him, his decimals fly through you and you experience life and you experience joy. And look what Jesus said in John 15 verse 11. As he said all these things that I am the vine and you are the branches. And he said this, I have told you this so that, hear this my friends, so that my joy, his joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Wow. Saying, stop trying to connect to all this other junk in this world. Just connect to me as your vine. And my joy will fly through you. He says, I want to give you joy. I want to give it to you. Just got to connect to me. That's what Jesus said. This is about embracing the heart of Christ rather than the heart of man. So who is God to you? Who is God to you? Is he God with the big G? Or is he God, little g? Who is he to you? This is about his significance in your life. And in turn, he gives significance to your life. But it's all how you view and you interact and you encounter God. You see, how you view God shapes everything about who you are. Everything. And so often, because we tend to have a distorted view of God and we don't walk with Him daily, our decimal system is completely depleted. And then we wonder why, you know, I just don't believe in Him because He's not really there when in reality He's always been there. We just haven't been connecting to Him. And we miss out. You see, our struggle with joy is when our expectations are built upon our own assumptions rather than running towards the heart of God. You see, my friends, know this. If there's anything you walk out with, understand this. 
God, Jesus himself, who was born in that humble manger, who came to this world to be the savior of your life. He loves you, and he is working in you, and he's always working for you. He doesn't give up. No matter what, even when you gave up on him, when you walked away from him to your own life, he never gave up working for you, and he still is working for you. Please know that. Whatever's going on in your life, he is fighting for you and your heart. And it all starts with us being honest with our heart, honest with our expectations, honest when we find ourselves at the crossroads of our expectation and what really happens. Are we seeking him? Like David, are we approaching God and just saying, search me, test me, lead me? Maybe that needs to be your prayer today. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever struggle you have, or whatever disappointment you may have with God, maybe today just approach him. And like David, lay spiritually bare before him and seek his heart. And the Bible says if you seek him, you'll find him. And in him, you will find joy. Let's pray together. Father, Right now, we just come before you. Like David so many thousands of years ago, we just approach your throne. And Lord, there's things in life that just take away our joy, and then we're trying to find anything we can to give joy back into our hearts. And we're overwhelmed with anxious thoughts, and we become people who tend to be cranky and grumble and argue and complain. But Lord God, in this moment, may we just be real with our hearts. We can't control how things will turn out. But what we can control is who we turn to. And Lord, right now in this moment, may we just turn to you. Lord, in this moment, may you just search us. Lord, test us. And just show us if there's anything offensive in our hearts that we need to be honest with. Why don't you each individually in your own place, in your own way, Pray that prayer to God. Search me, test me, show me. Just say that prayer in your own words. Father, I thank you because you are the creator of everything that is. And the most amazing thing, how big and how amazing you are, you love us, and you heard every individual prayer. And Lord, you're fighting for us. And Lord, I just pray that you, you hear our prayers, hear our cries for you, and guide us towards your heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer to search me, to test me, to show me, you know, we'd like to talk to you, and if you need, a, you need someone to help you in that journey of what does that mean to follow Jesus, if you just come back to the Engage Impact at the conclusion of the service. And we have great people there that would love to pray with you and help you on that journey to experience Jesus more and more in your life. Because God loves you. He's fighting for you and for your heart 
no matter what's going on, no matter what you've chosen to do, he is always fighting for you. Please know that. And I hope that you walk away from today encouraged and blessed and experience his joy.